Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in today. We want to be able to dive into this subject of emotions again. And we've been working through several different emotions all throughout this. Last week we dealt with sadness. But today we deal with an emotion that is probably our most telling emotion. Some of you have been involved in a game of spades or a game of chess or a game of checkers. I mean, it was just fun and it was light, but you lost. And after you lost, you didn't want to talk to anybody. You didn't want to look at anybody. You walked away because all your life, everybody called you a sore loser. You're not good at losing. Some of you, when you go out to eat and they bring your food and it's not what you expected, you want to talk to the servant, you want to talk to the manager, you want them to get it right. You have no problem snapping your fingers, looking them in the eye, getting attention because you are the type of person that has certain standards. You are the type of person that feels things deeply. There's always somebody that makes a big deal about a small subject. These are people that get angry. Angry people who feel deeply about things, who wanted to see something happen a certain way, and they tend to take things so far. I mean, it's just, it's not that big of a deal, but apparently it's a big deal to you. Anger, we were taught as we were young, was something to withhold, something to hide, something that showed your vulnerability. So you don't, don't get angry about that. Well, I mean, just don't. You're making too much of this. And so we, we learn to, 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 to hide our anger, to hide how we feel, to show people that we're cool when we're actually upset. We're holding in pain and holding in frustration. And for many of us, the things that we're angry about and we're suppressing is having a psychological effect, a sociological effect, and a physiological effect. It is affecting us because where there is not expression, there is often depression. It is in that that we have to be able to understand the critical nature of anger and recognize the deep effect on us it has because it shows we care. Whether it's a game Whether it's you're out of dinner, there's certain things you care about and you try to pretend, but in reality, it bothers you. Anger, by definition, we would say, is is the, the authentic anger is a caring feeling, telling us that something matters. The things you get angry about, you feel it deeply and you care about it. Now, the Bible is very interesting when it talks about anger and how you get frustrated about things. One of the things that we tend to think is that anger in and of itself is sin. Some of you that have been journeying in the Bible for a while now know that anger in and of itself is not sinful. We see Jesus that one day he made some cords and he whipped people in a temple And he was showing his frustration about how there were money changers, but he was also showing his care 
for the poor. What Jesus says there is he says this is a house of prayer. Jesus was angry and he expressed it. Also note that it says that he made a chord, meaning that he took his time. He didn't just express it. He was thoughtful about it. But the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. Listen, and I want you to just sit with it. I want you to reorientate yourself to anger in a whole new way when I say uh, from the scriptures, be angry and do not sin. And every time you've heard that, you've heard the do not sin part. But I want you to slow that down and hear it again. Be angry. Be angry. Are you angry? Why are you front like you're not angry? That's what the Bible just said. Be, are you angry? Okay, be angry then. Because you're actually angry about it. I know it's not, it, it, you know, you're, it's not socially acceptable. I know that you don't want to show your frustrations. I know you don't want to be invulnerable in front of everybody, but you're actually angry. And the Bible says, be angry. But it goes on and says, and do not sin. And it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that shows a time effect. But at the end of the day, look what it says that if we're not careful, we'll be giving an opportunity to the devil. Other versions would say, you'll give, the, you'll give Satan a foothold. He'll start to hold you back from being the person that you want to be. So understand, anger is an opportunity for you to understand what you care about, and it is also an opportunity for the devil. Anger. It is the most telling, listen, anger is the most telling emotion about what you care about. More than any other emotion, you should know what you get angry about. You should know what lights your fire. You should know what frustrates you. You should know what gets you upset because in that you will know what you care about and you will also understand the attack of the enemy over your life because all anger is an opportunity for discovery or the devil. He says it's an opportunity. This is a warning signal. It's telling us we're hurt. It's telling us that we're sad. And there's an energy that we have. And we've got to channel that. Far too often, we trade in authentic anger for social etiquette. We want to look a certain part and we don't want to tell the real story of how we feel. You see, when you tell people you're angry, when you show you're angry, you're, sh you're making yourself vulnerable, you're showing that you care. And the one thing that you want to do is be cool and act like you didn't care. No, it didn't bother me. No, 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 it's cool. It's cool. How many times have you done that? That somebody really made you mad and they're like, it was fine. It was, honestly, it was no big deal. Meanwhile, you cussed them out in your mind. You had a whole conversation about them when you got away from them because you were upset, but you don't want to show them that you were upset because you want to be strong. You want to seem like you don't really care when you actually care. You see, what we have to do is we have to distinguish for, with the difference between the emotion of anger and the expression of anger. The Bible is saying be angry, but we must channel the expression of anger. The scriptures give a, a different word in Greek for anger and rage. Anger is a word, it's like ogre. It just means to be upset. It means to feel a certain way. But when it talks about 
rage, look what it says in Galatians 5. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and then it says, fits of anger. But the word there is a different word for anger, and it's really a word for rage or wrath. The word in the Greek is thumos. And the way we get the word thumos, uh, we translate it into English and we use it and we use it as thermos. Now, what is a thermos? Well, you've used a thermos before. Whether you used it for chicken soup or coffee or soda, whenever you use a thermos, You put a substance in the thermos at a temperature, and once you tighten the thermos, it stays at that temperature. In other words, it was hot when it went in, and it stays hot. Thumos. He says one one of the works of the flesh is when you have thumos, when you stay angry, when you stay enraged, when it gets buried deep down inside you and you, you, you tighten it up and it stays hot and you're still hot and you've kept it in and it leaks out every now and then when you get into a conversation here and a conversation there, but you've never opened up so that you can cool down. You're so hot that you're not useful You can't tell people what you really care about. Rage. Some of you came from homes where you saw rage. You saw rage so much that you deny things that you're angry about because you don't want to repeat what you saw in your home. Some of you saw such 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 wrath in your neighborhood. You saw such tension that you move away from all those feelings and you were told, even though you see the Bible saying, be angry and do not sin, in your heart scripture it says anger is sin and you've moved away. But in reality, you are suppressing who you are. We get a great picture of this in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis at the very beginning, it's a book of beginnings. And we see the first angry person. We see the first bit of tension, and the first bit of tension happens with two brothers. Interestingly enough, though, the first bit of tension is not two brothers who just get mad at one another. It's two brothers who are presenting themselves before God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first of the ground and Abel. So note what it tells us, what this kind of indicates is that it's most likely Cain's idea to bring to God an offering. I want to give God something to show my honor towards him. And so when it says, and Abel, Abel said, hmm, me too. I'll give God something too. And Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Their offering to God But if you notice, when it says Abel also brought his firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, what it's essentially saying is Abel brought his very best to God, his most expensive animals, and Cain just brought some of his crop. 
And it says in Genesis 4, 3 through 5, and the Lord had regard. That word means he just gazed at it. He paid more attention to Abel's offering. And in verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He didn't pay as much attention to it. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. God was impressed with the offering of Abel, but not as impressed with the offering of Abel, I mean, of Cain. And because of that, Cain was very angry. His face falls. It's evident. But what does Cain do? Does Cain talk it through? No, it says in verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Tell me, Cain, what's going on inside of you? Why are you upset? Now, this is the Lord who knows what you're feeling and he knows what's going on with you, but he does not want to just investigate what's going on. He wants you to express. He knows what's inside. He wants you to express it. Tell me, you tell me what's going on inside of you. If you do well, Cain, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, be careful, Cain. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you. But, but, but Cain, I'm telling you, you're the first angry person and I know what anger can do. If you don't take control over it, it's contrary to you. It will move against you. It will move against your relationships. It will destroy your family and destroy your life and destroy your neighborhood. So this is what you've got to do, Cain. You got to rule over it. Why are you angry, Cain? Why? And can we just make a side note? The first man to get upset was upset in front of God, trying to do his best before God, and he compares himself to someone else. Don't think you can't get angry at people that are doing things for God as you compare yourself to them. What's actually happening here is it's two people trying to do two good things for God, and, they, and, then, and then jealousy comes into place. Don't, don't think it anger is out there on the block or, or out there in the White House or out there in some other country. Uh, anger is in your heart and it can be in the church and it can be when someone just does that little thing that you thought you did, but they do it better than you. And whenever you see them, you think they did an identity theft because they do the thing you thought you were big and bad at. And can I tell you, Abel don't even know what's going on. Abel's like, yeah, I'm gonna just bring this up. You know what I'm saying? You good? And they're just doing his thing. Like Abel doesn't even know what's going on with Cain, but there's something going on in Cain. And God says, do you know what's going on inside of you? There's this powerful thing happening in you. He doesn't rebuke him for being angry. But he says, investigate it. Spend time with it. Why are you angry? Take time to discover because what you don't discover in you, the devil will make an opportunity for himself. It's crouching at your door. You don't see it right now. It's crouching at your door. You don't see it right now. It's crouching. And it's going to rule over. That's why in Ephesians 4, it says it, it renders a foothold. You can't see it right now, but it's crouching. 
It wants to rule over you. If you do not address your emotions, they will ultimately lead you to sin. Cain repressed his anger and he eventually exploded. And the scriptures tell us he killed his brother. He set his brother up to go out in the field and killed him out of jealousy and a fit of rage. He put his feelings in that thermos and he closed it and then he opened it and he killed his brother. And that's what you've seen and that's what you've done. You, you buried that feeling and you buried it against your wife and you buried it against your friends and one day you just exploded and all this rage came out because you never learned how to discover it and think about it and talk about it. And you've been bottling it up. God is giving you feelings to express them, not suppress them. And sin is a violation of relationship. And far too often when we get angry, we don't enter into relationship with God and relationship with man. We enter into relationship with ourselves by isolation. And far too often, anger leads people to isolation and not intimacy. Because we don't want to show people we're mad. Because you don't want to show people you care. One great myth about anger, the myth is, is that anger destroys relationships. What's the truth? Anger fuels relationships. Anger is as much a part of a relationship as anything else. I would dare to say that anger is the number one emotion of relationships. That's probably the emotion I feel most at home. But why? But why? Huh. Then you're going to have kids and you thought they'd make you happy. And guess what? They make you angry. What are you doing? That's what you feel, anger. You feel anger all the time. You feel angry at people. You feel angry at your wife. You feel angry at your kids. Anger is just as much a part of marriage and kids as any other emotion. It's probably the emotion you feel the most because what do you get angry at? The things you care about the most. And you thought you'd be different than your family. You thought you'd be different than what you came from. You are your parents. And you, you have that same passion, that, that same thing inside of them. It's in you. And let me tell you, single people, let me give you a commercial break. Let me bless you just for a second. Here's what you're going to find out. The things that your family and friends accepted and tolerated, a spouse will not. They, they will not. They'll be like, what is that? Well, that? well, I'm not your mama. I mean, I'm telling you. You're going to find out quick. There were things people thought were cool and they laughed it off and it won't be funny. In month four, it won't be funny. It'll be angry. It's a little thing, but it'll be a big thing when you live with them all the time. I'm telling you, if you do not learn how to express anger in relationship, you will isolate. They will go to one room. You will go to one room and you will repeat the very family you said you'd never be. You will be them again because you did not learn how to deal with your anger. Anger fuels relationships. It's probably the number one emotion we feel. So where do we go? How do we move? With anger, you will either move towards passion. Passion 
is willingness to endure the pain for something that's greater than the pain. Passion is when you want to care. And so you suffer through it. You talk through it. You commit to it. You think it through together because you care about it. Passion is a deep emotion. It's a deep feeling that you sacrifice. And that's why it's, it's not called the commitment of Christ. It's called the passion of Christ. He gave himself fully to us for, the, for our benefits. And so you care. You say, I'm passionate about this subject. And you don't pretend it away. But, but see, the opposite place that we can go, the impaired place that we can go is pride. And pride blocks our need to admit the failure of self-sufficiency because pride cannot admit fault and pride can't be vulnerable. Pride tightens up, becomes apathetic. Pride says, fine then. All right, well, that's, look, well, fine. Cool, that's fine. Go, go, you, you do your thing. That's fine. I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. That's what pride does. And pride causes you not to have a sacrificial conversation with a person, but an imaginary conversation in your mind. And let me tell you about imaginary conversations. I have them at times, and you know why I like having them? Because I never lose. I'm a thousand and no in imaginary conversations. I can't be beat. I got this skill. People always end up agreeing in imaginary conversations. And much, many of you are expressing anger with people in your mind in a conversation that doesn't actually exist because you don't have to be patient in the imaginary world. You don't have to choose your words in the imaginary world. But when that real person comes in, you guys say, um, um, so, um, cause what not, but I get it. But, but what I'm saying though is, but, and I feel you and you got to do all those like things to just make sure you get through the conversation, but in your mind and with your friends and with the people that are your cheerleading squad that already agree with you and you're only giving them the highlight reel of the conversation. Oh, you can tell them you went off. How many relationships have come to an end because people weren't willing to just go through the tunnel of chaos and just admit they were angry? What they did was they pretended they were fine. They didn't want their heart to beat fast in that conversation. They didn't want to feel that thing. There have been times when I've been talking to people and I feel myself shaking and I hate it. And they see me shaking and I want to be like, no, I'm good. But me and I'm like, so what you're saying? And my body's moving and stuff. There's been times when I've had a tear come down. I'm so angry and I hate to admit it because you can see I care more about this than you do. And I want to be like you. I want to not care. That's what I want to do. I want to be cool. I want to be like Thanos, you know? I just want to be like, snap my fingers and just do stuff and be like, this is what it takes and move through life like I have no feelings. But Thanos is a cartoon. That's not real. You're a real person. And if you want real relationships, you'll fight for them. You'll admit you're upset. Do you know who the angriest person in the Bible is? Angriest person. Person that you just, all, they're always angry. You're just like, chill, you're angry again. Oh, God. I mean, he's unmatched. 
He has no rival. He is upset all the time. Chill, God. He's unmatched. If you do a word search in the Bible, the angriest person in the Bible is God. God gets angry. He stays angry. He's all the time angry. Psalm 90 says, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. He says, when I consider your anger, what you care about. When I think about the wrath that you have, how you could just exterminate us. God, you, you, you care deeply. And what it's saying, he's caring deeply about sin. But if if we, if we start to believe that God only cares about sin, we will lose the story of the gospel. God does not care about sin alone. He cares about us. And he wants to remove sin so that he can have us. That is the gospel story. Ray Ortland puts it this way. God's wrath is not moody vindictiveness. It is the solemn determination of a doctor cutting away the cancer that's killing the patient. And for God, the anger is personal, not detached and clinical. The doctor hates the cancer because he loves the carriers of the disease and he will rid the universe of all their afflictions. He goes on to say, it's in his, God's, loving kindness and anger, God destroyed the guilt of the sinners at the cross of Jesus. He will destroy all the remaining sin in the hearts of those who take refuge in Jesus. He will destroy all injustice and suffering here in this world when the kingdom of Jesus creates a world better than our sentiment, sentimentality could ever imagine. It is when we say black lives matter and we know that men and, women, men and women are made in the image of God, we know that God gets angry when black and brown bodies are dead on the street. He gets angry and he wants to destroy all injustice. What matters to you? What matters to you? What do you get angry about? What do you care about? The worst people to take your anger to are cynical people. People who have never processed their anger and they say the world is the way it is. And it will be what it will be. And they cause you to stay angry at the world, never at a place of fixing it. Never at a place of wanting to see change. Angry people make changes. Angry people extinguish the problem. And as you discover your anger, you will know more about what you care about more of what moves you into your passion. Martin Luther King, at one point, was being called an extremist. And he says, he writes that he, he at first, wanted to move away from this concept of extremism because the note, the, the connotation was that he was this wild person. But then he thought about it. King writes, will we be extremists for hate or for love? 
Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? In that dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must never forget that all three men, all three were crucified at the same, for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two were extremists for immorality and thus fell below their environment. But the other, Jesus Christ, was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness, thereby rose above his environment. Perhaps the South, the nation, and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. What King says is, we need more extreme people. We need more people who say, waiter, no, 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 no. We need more people who are sore losers. We need more people like that. But we need those people to reimagine how to express their anger. The world needs you to walk in your passion and live at what you truly care about. Because when angry people start to funnel what they feel into something they care about and discover it, things change. Father, we thank you for how you made us. God, we thank you for how you made us feel. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the chance to express anger in a healthy way. Thank you for the passion you've given us. And God, we pray that you would move us away from pride and isolation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.